Welcome back to season two of Drive Performance. I'm your host, Tom Shea, the co-founder of Agile Media Group. Excited to introduce you guys to Tom First, a serial entrepreneur who knows a thing or two about a good beverage. Tom First is the founder and CEO of Culture Pop, which makes a soda packed with probiotics and natural ingredients that you can feel good about. He's also a founding partner at TF Ventures, which invests in food and beverage companies. He was an early investor in Health Aid Kombucha, Essential Water, Q Drinks, and before that, founded Nantucket Nectars, which was acquired back in 2002. Tom, welcome to Driving Performance. Good to be here. Yeah, so the last Expo East, too. Any core memories from the Expos as we send it off into the distance? Uh, Expo East has always been the, you know, the forlorn stepsister of Expo. So I'm not surprised where it's going, but it's too bad because it's a nice little intimate show. Yeah, there's something to like about it. West is pretty chaotic. Chaos. Intense. Um, How long have you been doing the Expos? Because, you, you know, mean, as we just discussed, you got sort of a nice track record here. I I was not at the first one ever, but I was probably at, like, the third one. Okay. Um, you know, I don't go back, like, Gary Hirschberg from Stonyfield Yogurt days, but not far after that. Okay, awesome. All right, well, let me quickly introduce the format of this podcast. Um, as we are in a truck, there are going to be a few stops along this route. The first is going to be sort of origin stories, founder stories, all the nature, nurture, inflection points and pivotal moments in your career that sort of got you to where you are today. Stop two, want to dive a little deep on Culture Pop, um, where it's been, where it's going, sort of what it's been like building that company and you know going at it a second time with a new venture. And stop three is a game called The Hot Box. It is going to be rapid fire, this or that questions, modeled after the game The Hot Seat. Ready to go? Ready to go. All right, cool. So why don't we go back all the way to, where do you want to start? You want to start before Nantucket Nectars or you want to start at Nantucket Nectars? Whatever works for you. All right, let's start with Nantucket Nectars. So I guess what were all the events leading up to Nantucket Nectars um, that resulted in you landing there? So how did you have the idea? How did you think about going to market, formulation, and um, how that story all came together? You know, I'd say, first of all, I was like, I wasn't a massive break the rules kid, but I definitely wasn't a follow the rules kid. Um, And out of college, I, I didn't really have, you know, I wasn't at the career center planning my career. I ended up on the Island in Nantucket during my senior year of college. Okay. I had gone over to Spain. My girlfriend was over there and I tasted a, an incredible peach juice. And in Europe they had awesome juices and there's really nothing like it in the United States. And honestly, this was before all these alternative beverage and better for you food products that are created by smart young people today, they didn't really exist. And um, when I moved to Nantucket after graduation, my partner, Tom Scott and I were running a, a boat business was basically like a seven 11 on the water. And we did all sorts of stuff. We repaired boats. We delivered stuff to people. Yeah. Um, we shucked, you know, oysters, oysters. and <laughs> delivered the newspaper and picked up people's trash for money. Right. And we were looking for a way to build a year-round life on Nantucket. Honestly, I wanted to live on Nantucket. Right. And I came up with the idea of selling this peach juice off our boat as one of the other things we would do. And we made it, we called it Nantucket Nectars, and people were like, you should bottle this. And um, 
and try to, you know, really start a juice company. And right. we were, you know, we'd gotten a little taste of running your own business and what it felt like. And, and this seemed like something else we could do. And we started making it, we called it Nantucket And we, you know, as you probably know, like once you get into something, it's hard to, Oh, you get a taste of it. It's you, over. Yeah, it's hard to go, never backward, go back. backwards. Yeah. And, and you, you're, I'm a competitive person and, we got it into stores on Nantucket. We got it into Eagle's Nest at BC. I Let's don't know go. There we go. So we got it into a couple places on the Cape. And, um, and then you know to like, you know, it's the process for actually bottling stuff is far more nuanced than, you know, hawking it off of the boat. So how did that play out? We originally started bottling it by hand. Okay. Hand labeling it, selling it in stores. Okay. Glass we ended up time? finding we were we were these little plastic bottles. Okay, it's sort it. of like what Oddwalla was doing, you know, a couple of years after us. Got it. And we ended up finding a bottler in upstate New York who was able to produce fourteen hundred cases for us. We started selling on the Cape and Islands, and then you know we went through hell for many years, and it probably took us five years to really develop product and packaging and understand what business we were in right understand distribution and selling and you know tom and i were quick learners we didn't like to make mistakes twice we right. learned from our mistakes and we cared a lot about what we did we wanted we wanted our product to be great we wanted our customers and our friends to love what we were doing and i think that drive and the drive, frankly, to not go get a real job, ultimately yeah. made Nectars a an incredible product that we built with friends. By the way, we just hired friends, and we we At got least to you know what you're getting with friends. You know, they might not be perfect, but you do know what you're getting before you opt in. Yeah, when it goes badly, it's <laughs> way worse. Though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we got it up to 100 million in sales, and we ended up selling it to to Cadbury Schweppes. So you telling me the Adult version of a lemonade stand turned into a uh, Nantucket Nectar, which sold for hundred million. <laughs> That's I mean, so impressive. Yeah, I mean, basically, it was. You're. I mean, one thing I would say is that we, yeah, we were selling lemonade, and we loved what we were doing, and. Um, you know, that's something that if you're starting your business, you better like what you're doing. You care about what you're doing. Right. It makes it a heck of a lot easier yeah, to build it. Totally. We talked about this before the show, but I was doing software. I mean, yeah. talk about a puzzle piece that was not fitting. So hard to justify the late nights or actually present with excitement. if It's not something you're I think really that, excited about. And I think the selling process for software is like so long. Right. That the connection between the product you're selling and, and the person that you're selling to and then sort of the gratification that your customer gets like it's one of the incredible things about the beverage industry is like a, a, a consumer a retailer a distributor, they will tell you where you stand instantly yeah and you know where I you never, stand i never the, really thought about that yeah the feedback loop is really tight I, and people relate like to demo. these products it's like people get so much value from demos it's exactly like, okay i gotta wait to figure out what exactly. the feedback is here yeah um tell me about tom scott how'd you guys meet what's he like so tom scott and i were very good friends in college we ended up starting a business together you never know whether like starting a business with a friend is the right thing to do. Right. We were, were kind of opposites in a lot of ways. 
Um, he's probably a bit more of a dreamer than I am. I may be a bit more of a in the weeds or blocker and tackler than he is. And it was actually an incredible com uh, 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 incredible combination. Um, Tommy has big vision and belief. And I think we both learned from each other over many years where you had you had someone who, I think Tommy always thought we were gonna build a big, great company. And I may not have been quite like that when I was 22 or 23 right. years old. And uh, he certainly made a believer out of me. We were um, very loyal to each other. We remained incredibly good friends. I think we, the one thing I'll say is that in terms of what we thought about the product we were making, and the quality of it, the packaging, who we were selling to, we could finish each other's sentences from the day we started the business until the end. Yeah. And that made being partners really easy. I mean, it's funny. He called me two nights ago about something. And it was just, he was reading this book and he read this thing and it reminded him of conversations we would have. Right. And um, I mean, that's how it was when we were working yeah. together. So. And how long was the Nantucket Nectar's journey? 14 years. 14 years. Okay. Yeah. And so it ends, you know, the story ends great. Um, we got a ton of awards here. I'm not even going to go through them. There's so many. But it's my understanding the middle was pretty patchy and rough, right? Yeah, we, we learned a lot of lessons the hard way. I mean, we, we were in distribution at one time. Uh, we were like one of the bigger Arizona iced tea distributors in the country. We didn't know whether we were distributors or juice guys we were at that point. Doing like co co we we had people? we had fifty trucks driving around selling Arizona iced tea and Nantucket Nectars, huh. and we almost went bankrupt. Huh. It was a <clears throat> brutal business, and um, we got out before we died. Right, and that was really tough. Um, we had a couple near-death experiences. We had a product that didn't sell very well at one point, and we were driven enough to get our packaging and our formulations and everything right and ended up building really a, an incredible product with a lot of amazing people who were, who were partners to us over a bunch of years. A lot of, the time, a lot of those people, it was the first job they had ever had. Right. Uh, and we all kind of grew up together at a time where – Honestly, young people weren't running businesses. We right. no internet, no cell yeah, phones, yeah, yeah. and we were a bunch of twenty-five-year-olds running around and, and trusting each other to run marketing or run sales or you know run accounting. It was really an incredible time. Yeah, it's awesome. And so, before we get into culture pop, which I'm excited to chat about, talk to me about TF Ventures. Is that something that happened after Nantucket, and how long? Like, you know, did you roll right into that or? I spent probably the, I would call it now the middle part of my career uh, investing in, sitting on boards, advising uh, a lot of food and beverage companies. Um, I did some on my own. I, I worked for a small venture firm in Los Angeles for a while called First Beverage Group, where I ended up working with Healthy Kombucha and yep. Essential Water and a couple other brands. Um, I then ended up at a firm called Castanea Partners in Boston, which is a larger private equity firm. And then with TF Ventures, doing a lot of stuff on my own. And some of the idea of TF Ventures was incubating products. If I And I had had a concept for 
many years. I kind of wish I had started earlier than I did, which was around carbonated soft drinks, which having been in the beverage industry for so long, it just shocked me that the largest category of all had never been disrupted with, you know, better for you ingredients and, right. and functionality. And, and even though carbonated soft drinks began as a health tonic in a right. pharmacy, right. and yet incredibly unhealthy and, and, um, and artificial ingredients and driving obesity in America. And I was like, why doesn't someone fix this category? Totally. And so that's sort of how TF Ventures brought me to, to start Culture Pop. All right, so stop two. Let's talk about Culture Pop. You said you were sitting on that idea for a while. So I guess, how would you first introduce Culture Pop in your own words? And then how would you describe what you set out to build? So we are a better for you soda, carbonated soft drink that is made with really simple ingredients. We're organic juice, organic spices, and a live probiotic, and that's it. We don't use a sweetener other than juice itself. We don't use stevia or erythritol or aspartame right. or any of these high intensity sweeteners. We create flavor complexity with fruit and spices. And then we add a shelf stable live probiotic that benefits your gut. It's, it's good for gut health. And let's just demystify probiotics for people who uh, aren't familiar with those. Yeah. Are. Probiotics are, are live bacteria that in our case, it, it lives naturally in the human gut. We use a bacteria called Bacillus subtilis that we all have. Our, our probiotic is incredibly durable. Um, it survives a lot of environments and perpetuates in the gut. And we have, you know, there are a lot of studies, you know, people should make their own decisions about probiotics, but we've got a lot of studies that show that it reduces inflammation and helps, right. helps gut health. Um, and a lot of what drives people to fall in love with beverages or to consume them regularly um, or to make them part of their lives are, you know, obviously they got to taste good. And we've done, and I think we've done a great job with really simple ingredients, creating full flavor and cleanliness, like a clean finish. Right. Um, and then we have real functionality, something that um, benefits you and something you can feel good about um, putting in your body yeah. and, um, and, and having every day, you know, there, we're a little bit indulgent, but, but really, you know, we taste good, but we also feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a question for you, and I asked uh, someone else this question. How do we as a society determine what is considered soda versus what is considered seltzer versus what is considered water? I feel like the lines have never been blurrier. Yeah. Because when you think, when you, you know, I know this product well, like, you can say it's soda, and, but like, it's not quite soda to me. You At know, least in the traditional sense of what we've been anchored on for decades. I think our job at Culture Pop is to help redefine the soda category a little bit because um, soda was created originally as a tonic for people to satisfy their stomach or to feel good. And with two very big companies, it's been redefined as being a super sweet, either sugar or fake sweetener bomb, um, which honestly, I don't think 
you know, they are indulgent in their treats and like everyone loves a, a Coke or, or Diet Coke or a Pepsi at times, but drinking them every day is probably not the greatest thing in the world. And I think the way we've designed soda is, you know, we give you plenty of flavor and complexity in a carbonated drink that is a treat. Right. And that's what soda is. And yet um, you shouldn't feel bad about drinking a culture pop every day. So there, there are a bunch of brands out there and there's probably a range like all the way to these very sweetened items that feel like a very traditional soda. I think when you go to the other end of the spectrum with, with a sparkling water or seltzer, you have a little bit of flavor, but it's not maybe not quite as satisfying or doesn't have right. much indulgence. And, and a lot of those people are looking for, for more. And I think that's what we, we give them. These are, these are fun products. We're not trying to be a medicine and we're not trying to be, you know, to change your life, but they're a treat to have right. every day and you can feel pretty good about it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you why I love your products. Um, I think the reason I like culture pop so much is we, or at least the people I've shared myself, it's very like we're in this bubble where things that appeal to us might not necessarily appeal to the masses. And I think what's so cool about culture pop is one, it is solving a mass market problem, which is what's needed to actually like, build a legitimate company with scale. But it has also gotten the same segment um, that I would say is in that bubble as like an item that they index to. So was there some intentional design around trying to essentially cover all the bases in terms of the addressable market? Absolutely, like you nailed it because when I designed the product and designed the packaging, I said, uh, you know, our designer is a guy named Mark Christo, who's brilliant. Shout out Mark. Yeah, Mark's brilliant. And I said to Mark uh, like 50 times, I want this to sell as well in a, whole, in, in a Walmart or a market basket as it does in Whole Foods. Right. And part of that is bringing better for you products to the masses. And, and honestly, it's not easy to do that. It is done in your packaging. You know, you look at our packaging and it's whimsical and it's fun and it's bright and it's colorful. Right. And it, it doesn't say I'm too precious for you to drink. Um, but it's also really important in your ingredients and your flavor um, and your flavors. So we can't be like so unsweet that no one wants to, right. feels like it's a treat. So we're like, we are that bridge where there's enough sweetness and enough flavor, delight, and satisfaction that we can appeal to a mass audience as much as we can appeal to someone who's really concerned about health and is cutting sugar out of the diet, really doesn't want something super sweet. So we, we really are a solid bridge item that yeah, way. Yeah, awesome. Your face lit up when I said that. Yeah, I'm, you glad, were, I'm glad I nailed it. You, you were <laughs> on it. You were on the concept right away. All right. So I want to talk. You could have been a co-founder. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I want to talk about the flavors. It would have been Tom and Tom all over yeah, again. Yeah, more been. Toms, as if we needed more. All right, talk me through the flavors. Which ones came first? Which ones are recent? Which one is your favorite? I know it's sort of like choosing a favorite child. but So <clears throat> the first four flavors are right here. All right, so what do we got here? We got pink grapefruit and ginger, lemon lime and cardamom. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Orange, mango, and yeah, lime. These four on front are the first four flavors. Orange, oh, mango, ginger, lemon, wild berries, and watermelon were our first four okay. flavors. So these and came out at the same time? Yes, and they were, we produced 100 cases each of four flavors 
in Saratoga, New York. We delivered them to a little warehouse in Boston. Okay. And Ned Desmond and I drove around in our cars at the beginning of COVID and delivered it to like 50 stores in Boston to prove that people wanted this stuff. And it sold everywhere, like literally sold every place well immediately. Awesome. So, and then next was our pink grapefruit, which is our so least selling flavor, but is incredible. It's okay. such a good flavor. So talk me through the strategic elements of adding SKUs. So what are you trying to accomplish? Are you essentially looking at data and saying, hey, we're making an informed decision, or we're trying to get more shelf space, or we're trying to get more and more addressable market? Um, are you testing and learning here? So how do you think about SKUs and like where you, where the lower bound, where the upper bound is? This is how I think about SKUs. Um, we think about our flavors from the crushable to the complex. Okay. All right. And, Talk me through that. And so on the, on this end of our product line, we have blends that are, we think of as very drinkable and very refreshing, like almost chuggable, even though they're carbonated. Yeah. 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 And they, they might appeal like maybe more to a younger audience, okay. um, very approachable, very easy and very drinkable. And on this end are more complex flavors so they have a little bit more of a note of a spice or ginger. Okay. And they maybe come off, maybe they'd appeal initially to a, a kombucha consumer or someone that's looking for complexity or a little bit of a burn. It, uh, um, and what we've noticed is a lot of, times we'll bring a consumer in on this side and, and they navigate and they them. end up loving this. Yeah. And then we might take a more natural or kombucha type or a ginger beer drinker on this side and they navigate over here. Okay. And, and we're able to fill a lot of like demographics, day parts, age demographics. So, um, and we are trying to build a line that appeals to a lot of different people. Um, and some of them are more soda type flavors and some right. are more fruit based flavors. Yeah. This one is so good. Yeah. Strawberry, strawberry is rhubarb. great. That's our, these two are our newest flavors, lemon, lime, and strawberry. And strawberry is like close to our number one side. Yeah. Um, and so going back to that same question, how do you think about adding more SKUs? Like when is there too many SKUs? Like what's the strategy there? Cause I think there's a lot of people that are that the, the audience for this podcast is people who are have started a brand or think about starting a brand. And like, what is the science behind, like, why not have one skew and perfect it versus having this sort of spectrum? I mean, people launch new SKUs for brand excitement, consumer excitement, um, or additional shelf space. Like, you know, you, the more flavors on the shelf, the bigger part of the shelf we can take up. Right. So we're grabbing more shelf space. Um, you know, we had at Nectars, we had we definitely had flavors that were dogs that didn't sell well. Nothing against dogs. I mean, they were cats and dogs. Yeah. And that's tough when you launch a new flavor and it doesn't do very well. It's a it's a beating on your team on the retailer. It's hard. So you you do have to be really cautious about how you launch flavors and and making sure that your portfolio works and you're not, you don't want a lot of underperformers in your portfolio. 
We've been really lucky. We we literally do not have a dog. All of our flavors have sell. Have you pulled any ever? We've never pulled flavor. History, no. And this is our lowest selling flavor, the grapefruit, but like it sells really well. Yeah. It just, in a group of flavors that all sell so, well, it yeah. happens to be the lowest performance. Well, someone has to be on the yeah, bottom. Like, someone's on the bottom. bottom. Yeah. And, um, and it's funny, like we don't have as much distribution on ginger lemon today with a lot of bigger retailers. But when we started the company, it was our number one selling flavor. Right. Yeah. And these kind of are a little bit more crushable, maybe a little bit more mainstream. But as this gets more distribution in conventional grocery, I think it's going to do really well. It's just such a solid flavor. It's so fun to hear you use the word crushable as yeah. the adjective. <laughs> <laughs> it back, truly is. Back to BC days there. Yeah. Um, which one's your favorite? I do change at okay. times. Um, Based on the I, environment. I think ginger lemon is my... This one? All, like, always love it. If It's always the right time for that. It always tastes good to me. Some of the other ones are like, I'm on a particular occasion, like, oh my God, like wild berries. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot how good this yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. You know, it, so, I find it so interesting. I, I tweeted about this the other day. I was like, does anyone out there actually just like hate their product? And not because it's not a good product, but because over time you're looking for a variety, right? Yeah. So if you keep consuming the same thing and everyone's like, no one would ever actually admit it. But I, 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 it I will funny. say like, I, I, this is like blasphemous to say this, but late days of Nantucket Nectars, I found Nantucket Nectars so sweet yeah. that I couldn't drink a whole one and I felt really guilty, but I like get a headache because yeah. it was so sweet. Um, and I'm not, you know, I think as you get a little older, like you lose the sweets, you don't want items that are super totally. sweet. And that's one of the real appeals of this brand. Like, when you get to be in your 30s and you get to older, people are looking for less sweet items. And we are definitely filling that place where right. there's a lot of products on either end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, any SKUs on the horizon? We are launching a cherry flavor. Cherry. All right. Where's, a black where are you cherry. putting cherry in this spectrum? Of crushable to complex? Yeah. It's probably somewhere near watermelon, in my opinion. So... This one? Yeah, it's somewhere. Probably one in, if yeah, I had to guess. It's somewhere in, maybe in here, okay. I would put it. Um, oh. Maybe, it's either here or here. Got it. Oh, it's so fun. All right, well, excited for that one. When's that one go live? Hopefully October. We'll okay. sort of small scale launch and then get, get some retailers interested in it and, and launch it, yeah. Do you, what about LTOs? Like, do you ever think about just doing low MOQ, like test ones? Yeah, and we will do, We've done a little bit of that. We kind of did that with uh, the lemon lime initially online. Um, right now we're so busy and we're trying to keep up with what we're doing yeah. that and, not, and not run out of stock. What's that? How many doors are you now? We're like 7,000 or something That's like that. Crazy. Um, that it's, we really decided we were out of stock like so much last year that we're just like 2023, the goal is to stay you know, in stock, we, we, we didn't do massive expansion. We did enough expansion, focus on supplying it, focus on working with our retailers and then continue the expansion in 2024. Awesome. Excited to watch that. So going to wrap up with a few questions here. Um, what have you been able to take from Nantucket Nectars that has felt like a cheat code in 
you know, 2.0 or, or your second venture here. And then what has been like alarmingly different uh, about culture power when you think about the two experiences? Um, one thing I, I took from Nantucket Nectars is that when we got product and packaging right at Nantucket Nectars, when, when the label and the liquid inside the bottle and all of our pieces of marketing felt like they worked perfectly together, the brand just couldn't be stopped. It was unbelievable. Right. And there was this magic feeling about the product we were selling, the brand we had built, and the emotion behind it that was in, was incredible. And so when we when I started formulating and doing the packaging and working on the positioning and, and the ingredients, I was so driven to like be really proud of every ingredient in the bot in the, in the can. Right. Love the liquid to your point earlier. Get the packaging so that we knew when we put it on the shelf, people were gonna grab it. And so that was a great lesson from Nectars. And, you know, we we put our stuff on the shelf and it turns. And so yeah. we're, that's a great place to be. And um, and the marketing work is just beginning with people like Agile. So, yeah. Um, and then I would say, for me, you know, the world has changed a lot in marketing and reaching consumers Consumers are being hit with messages right. yeah. so many different ways and so much more. There are a lot more brands out there. So that's been like the biggest change. And, um, and we haven't really begun to even tackle that yet. I mean, this is 24 is going to be a big year for us in terms of telling our story, you know, showing that we're really a differentiated position, right. product and brand in this category. Yeah. Uh, and we're really excited about it. We, we're, we're a unique product in the functional soda set that, um, that has a real reason for being. And, and we think the growth is, the growth opportunity is really big. Yeah. So. Excited to watch it continue to unfold and fun to play the teeniest, tiniest part of the story. Yeah. So thanks You're for, a part thanks of it, for, for sure. looping us in. Um, final question. A lot of people, like I said earlier, tuning in are, either brand founders or thinking about starting a brand, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is thinking about uh, taking that leap? Um, the biggest advice I would have is love the thing you're doing, the product you're doing. Um, I mean, it isn't necessarily, you don't have to say like, oh, I love juice. I've always loved juice my whole life. Therefore, I'm going to become a juice guy. Or... Um, but I will tell you, like, I love the creativity and um, the velocity and the dynamic nature of this industry. I think that what we do, like from the packaging and the artistry and language and copywriting, um, the selling, the formulations, the way people think about products like ours they are a part of their life i like that i i think it's a as dynamic an industry as there is and i i like it and if i didn't like it as much as i do i i might be depressed on sunday night that right. work started on monday but i i'm excited every monday yeah. i like i don't dread sunday afternoon and 
I think there are a lot of people, if you're doing what you're doing and you're like bummed on Sunday afternoon, that that's no way to live. So you got to love the thing you're building. And as, as you know, like success is not like a straight line from here to here. Like building your own businesses is tough. Like if you're the founder, you're the creator, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that isn't fun. And you're carrying the weight of things that maybe a lot of people in your organization don't even know about. Right. Um, and so you, there's got to be a part of it. Like I really like ultimately love what I'm doing and I don't want to be doing anything else. Love it. All right. Stop three. Ready for the hot box? Yep. I'm ready. All right. Let's kick it off. Cold plunge or hot tub? Cold plunge. Beach house or ski house? Beach house. Easy. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Ah, I love tea too. Coffee. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise without set. No question. D2C or DTC? Um, DTC. All right. <laughs> you just got to whatever comes first. Uh, neat or messy? Neat. Corgi or golden retriever? Golden retriever. Uh, tennis or golf? Oh, God. Golf. It used to be tennis. Is it a close one? Yeah, it sounds like uh, a close one. It used to one. be tennis, but it is golf. And if I said tennis, my wife would slap me in the head because <laughs> I play golf and it annoys me. <laughs> uh, pineapple pizza or candy corn? It's a tough one. Pineapple pizza. <laughs> Live music or DJ? Live music. Sweet snacks or salty snacks? Salty snacks. Call or text? Text. Reading or writing? Writing. <laughs> work remote or work on site? Work on site. Uh, cocktails or beers? Beer. Give up bread for life or cheese for life? Bread for life. Ooh, conviction on that one. Board games or video I, I games? I was just in Paris recently, and I, I mean the the French bread is great, but the cheese is ridiculous. It's so good. Yeah, we were talking though. There's a lot of good like alt cheeses here. Yeah. And stuff. Um. Where was I? Board games or video games? Board games. Betting $50 on red or black? Black. Start early or leave late? Start early. Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Playlists or podcasts? Podcasts. Speak to 10 animals or speak 10 languages? What was the first one? Speak to animals or speak to 10, la speak 10 speak languages? Speak 10 languages. All right. I think animals would be pretty fun. Yeah, it would be cool. Telepathy or teleportation? Teleportation. Trucks or billboards? Uh, trucks for sure. <laughs> Good news or bad news first? Bad news first. All right, bad news is we're at our last stop. Yeah, so, there you go. Tom, I want to say You know what the worst part you. of that thing is? What? Someone could take my answers and they'd say, He's an older guy. <laughs> you know, we should a, run a post-production analysis. Yeah, he's over 50. I guarantee you. <laughs> I don't know. I, you've done a lot of these. So maybe you're right. Yeah, DJ. But, um, DJ was the one where I thought that. Like well, you have some young people who skew yeah, live music. Yeah. So and we'll see. We'll do a post-analysis. Yeah, we'll okay. But um, thanks so much. This was yeah, kind of fun. That was really thanks fun, for joining yeah. me. Um, Want to give you an opportunity to plug yourself. Where can people connect with you and learn more? Where can they find Culture Pop online and in store? So take it away. Yeah. So Tom first, um, founder of Culture Pop. And I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn or through the company, maybe, or whatever. Um, but yeah, we're available at 
all Albertson Safeway stores across the country and Whole Foods uh, nationwide, all stores, um, Kroger, uh, and a bunch of local grocers around the country. Um, and we're in the soda area of the store. So go pick it up. Cool. It's a great brand. We're delicious. And uh, you'll be seeing more of us. All right.